Welcome to the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast with Melissa Glennie and Mark Altman. We're here to help you hire, engage, and retain the best talent to help you make your vision a reality. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. We're excited to be back with you at the, on the uh, Catch Them and Keep Them podcast today. And we want to talk with you a little bit about um, how not only to survive through a down economy, but how to thrive, because we know that what goes down will come back up. So, um, so we want to talk about, first of all, how you can go about cutting expenses without sacrificing service delivery to your customers, and also how to avoid the pitfalls uh, that can uh, be involved with that. And then finally, we'll, we'll kind of tie back around with the importance of continuing to invest in training right now. So Mark, good to see you again. Thanks so much for taking the time out to talk about this. Hey, Melissa, uh, great to be back. And, uh, you know, things have been going well. I, I feel like, you know, we have to kind of take things a day at a time, week to week. And I felt like it was a pretty good week last week. I felt productive, got some good quality family time, and it was a good work balance week, I think. How about yourself? And the same, the same. And, you know, it's been a little bit um, challenging for me to balance because I was kind of getting into this mode of just kind of a little bit of family things. And then all of a sudden this big project was dumped on. Um, and, and I say that in the most loving and grateful manner. <laughs> um, this big project for work came along and I was like, wait, what? I have, I, I have to work on someone else's deadlines and expectations? Okay, I got to figure out how to do this again. So grateful to have, you know, both kind of clicking along. Well, that's, you know, Melissa, that's the interesting thing to me about work-life balance is I think sometimes we associate work-life balance with like a permanent state of balance. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think work-life balance means when you have big work projects, you might have to focus predominantly on work and not as much on life for a week or two weeks at a time. But then there are times when you go on vacation and take time off where you pretty much don't focus on work. So I think we all have to remember work-life balance is not like a specific automatic societal template you have to follow. It's just an overall state of balance. It is, it's a cumulative thing. And, and, and you know, I think that we get, you're so right, we get caught in this trap of, you know, every day there has to be this invested here and that invested right. here. And that just doesn't work, you know? So um, really good point there, really good point. So, so what, what's on our agenda today, Melissa? So, uh, well, I can't wait to get to the accountability part, but I know that that's for the end. So <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm holding my horses there. Uh, but, you know, first to start off with the cutting expenses without jeopardizing service delivery. Um, you know, I, I honestly, Mark, last time, you know, we kind of, you and I debriefed when we did our, our first episode. And I was really trying to give um, a lot of kind of heartfelt thought to what value I and my business and, you know, obviously yourself and your business, you know, what, what are we bringing to companies right now? Cause I feel for me personally, it's different than what I've classified it as, you know, I, I'm trying to keep a pulse on, um, you know, what I can do to help right now. Cause everything is just so different than it was a month ago. Um, so that's why I thought, you know, I'd really like to talk about um, how to continue to stay focused on the future, but taking the, immediate actions that we need to as in some cases like yourself and myself small businesses medium-sized businesses and that includes cutting expenses a big part of that i mean the the number one i i'm sure you can attest to is employees you know we're laying off i mean and so how do we keep getting the work done and making sure that the service delivery we do have the opportunity to give to our customers doesn't suffer yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting, Melissa, you know, one of the big awarenesses I had in this last week was, you know, we're seeing so much content online, whether it's blogs or webinars or things like that, 
around not how not to go crazy, you know, how to how to overcome the disappointment and frustration. And I think I think we're forgetting that there's a lot of people out there who are doing fine. And a lot of people out there who are looking to kind of keep their momentum and progress this forward. So, you know, it's got me thinking about um, finding that fine line between catering and certainly feeling empathetic to the people who need the help and support, because I know you and I, that's a huge priority and value for us. And at the same time, really uh, supporting the people and organizations who are still looking to grow and add staff, who are still looking to go, whether they're... Uh, an essential business or not an essential business, they just happen to be in a place where they can where they can grow their business, whether it's by adding staff, whether it's by putting initiatives in order that they haven't been able to prioritize. So I'm so with you. And I think that, you know, the whole thing about cutting employees, it's interesting. I think depending on the size of your business, if you're listening to this podcast, podcast is, I think most entrepreneurs will admit when they really take a hard look in the mirror at the, what their expenditures are and where they need to cut, especially in times of crisis, they'll tell you that they find out there's a lot of things that they're doing that they probably should have cut even before in a proactive way in, in, in a crisis. So, I mean, are you seeing that, Melissa? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I am. And I mean, again, not to, not to hound on my personal experience, but I, I, in looking at my situation, saw the same, you know, software licenses that we had that, you know, five extra seconds and we can live without that, you know, so, you know, just as a short example, I absolutely, and I think that it also is an opportunity to step back and look at the things that you're doing and evaluating, are they really valuable in returning something to the business? So from the things that you want to invest in and the things that, you know, you might just be investing your time in doing, I think it's a great opportunity to look at that whole landscape and really narrow and hone in on, you know, the, the points where you can make the greatest impact. Yeah, Melissa, on a leadership level, you know, one thing I've discovered is that there are, there are responsibilities that I typically re rely on either interns or lower waged employees to do responsibilities that I've never really had the interest or desire to learn how. And what's interesting is, I think we're all effective leaders when we understand the roles and the responsibilities that our team plays. So it's given me a different perspective to understand how long these things take, um, how to actually do them. Are there more efficient ways to do them? And like you said, um, do we even need to be doing them? So yeah. uh, that's been great. Yeah, yeah. And I think another thing too that um, one, one area of our business that I see expanding that I think is going to be really beneficial for a lot of our customers is the virtual support and project work state statement of work um, uh, business models because you know it's something that we could always do but it wasn't something that a lot of our customers were just it, they weren't asking for it and I think it was just a matter of you know inertia they they were used to having a, a person physically show up at their workplace and they would train them and set them up on the systems. But in fact, you know, we have the ability to be um, handling a lot of that onboarding aspect and taking a lot of the, the strain of remote onboarding away from them um, and bringing them a finished product for a fixed price as opposed to, you know, this trying to navigate this world of, oh, I, you know, hope I can 
one find vet and then onboard and train someone to do this work that I need to have done. Um, so that's a, that's an area where we're really able to step up and hold customers' hands uh, through that whole process. So I think that that's one area that's really where, uh, in my industry, I think that that's really shifting. And a lot of people are going to be better for it because it's a much more efficient way to do things in a lot of cases. Well, so when you think of onboarding, I think you're really making a good point. When you think of onboarding, are there a few elements? I mean, I, yes, it's going to be virtual now, but are when I when I speak with companies, I don't I don't see a consistent and engaging onboarding process. It feels like so many onboarding programs are around policies and procedures and things like that, as opposed to really engaging content. So, what are you seeing, and 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 what is what is Franklin Professionals doing to really address improving those onboarding programs, virtually or not? Mm, yeah, I and and I think virtually is. Yes, virtually or not, but I think especially right now, um, you know, a lot of companies are, are starting to get it. And like you said, they're, they've got this quote unquote onboarding program. And so it's great they've got this concept, but you're so right. A lot of it um, goes straight to policies and procedures and it kind of skips over the whole, you know, DNA of the company and what makes it tick in a way that other companies don't tick, you know, what makes them essentially special and thus a fit for the quote unquote special people, you know, that that match is what I'm referring to there. So um, I think communication is the number one thing here. Um, and it's two things. It's one, understanding what to be communicating because that's missed. I mean, and that's like your starting point. And then, um, and then understanding how to communicate it. I think that there's lots of platforms where, where we have um, very rich communication available to us, but you know, for, for example, case in point, video, um, rather than putting out printed text or you know, images, infographic stuff in your onboarding, um, I really think that we need to be incorporating a lot more face-to-face -face interaction. Um, so thinking about what we're trying to communicate and then thinking about how we can most effectively communicate these things and in multiple fashions. Yeah, I, and I got to share a, a little resource, Melissa. So, um, you know, uh, we're both based in Massachusetts, of course, and I, there's a loan out there now for small businesses called the PPA loan. And it's something that I've just started the application process. And I, I for our listeners, I'm not 100% sure of this, but this is a really critical aspect of it I'm looking into that would really be important, Melissa, to you and your, and your clients and prospects. And that is the essential, uh, are you familiar with this loan at all, Melissa? I am, uh, I shouldn't say familiar, I'm aware of it. Okay, so I'm just starting to become more aware of it, but the long and short of it is this. Basically, the loan incentivizes you to not lay off people, mm -hmm. right? So they basically will pay you, will cover your payroll, and if you can, if you can prove to them that you are allocating 75% of the loan to payroll, you'll get reimbursed for it. It's pretty fabulous. And the element I'm checking into is I'm checking into what about hiring people? What about not just not laying off people, but what about adding and rehiring so to, to keep unemployment rates lower? And so, you know, I will find that out and certainly pass that along in, the, in our next podcast. But I will tell you, that could be huge because Melissa, I could see demand for your services 
ramping up big time if, 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 if companies know the state will reimburse for those hires, I mean, I'm going to be first in line. I got to tell you, I might even knock some people over to be first in line. <laughs> Just saying. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and rightly so. I mean, it, it, this is the opportunity then to really focus on building, right? Right. Bringing people in, getting these training, onboarding programs really up and running, and perfect time to be testing things out when you don't have the same level of pressure from your customers. You know, you, you have a little leeway to do this now. It's prime time. Yeah, and one other point, Melissa, I think your point about onboarding is very important too because I know one of the things that I've started to look at is my, uh, my processes, uh, my op standard operating procedures, my, my training methods, because I'm talking about internally. Because mm -hmm. I think as a company, it's a good time to really reevaluate how you are onboarding as you do anticipate the growth and plan on the, the hiring, upcoming hiring, when this levels out a little bit. So I, I think really understanding what works and doesn't work while you're evaluating what cuts to make in your company is it's a great opportunity for that. I agree, Mark. And there's something else I would add on to that. You know, in um, in my point earlier about you know if you're laying, if you are in a position where you're trying to do more with less people right now, and you do a company would potentially look towards uh, contingent staffing just to help them buffer workloads as the as the workloads come in. Um, you know, the advantage is that they can just pay for the skills they need when they need them and then not be you know on the hook for unemployment insurance costs and things of that sort but to your point it's also a great opportunity to test run your training and make tweaks along the way because you're you're you know bringing in let's call them quote unquote test subjects um and i i think we've talked about this before together um with sop creation or even sop modification when you have someone new to the team um, at having them review and test run the, the right. SOP, make sure that it actually works and wherever it breaks down, make those adjustments. Yeah. You know, Melissa, I, I also want to add that uh, my oldest son works for Best Buy in Florida. And he told me recently that even though Best Buy is shut down, I mean, they're still online, available online, but they've shut down in their in-person stores. They've actually bring, they're bringing everybody back. They're keeping everybody on payroll but just having them do kind of mundane responsibilities at the store. At the end of the day, the bottom line is people still get a paycheck, which is what counts. So kudos to Best Buy. But the reason I bring it up is because I think we all forget as companies, I know as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, our to-do lists are never ending, right? No matter what's going on, we could always find a hundred things to do to improve our business and improve you know, our, our culture. My point is, is that as you're evaluating what to do with your existing team, what to do as far as bringing on new team members, think about the additional responsibilities that they could be doing so they don't have to be laid off. Because I think that's a big part of this is being, being innovative, being clever, finding out other things they can, they can be doing that you, you wouldn't normally have them do, but if it keeps them getting a paycheck, I think it's really important to be evaluating that. Yeah, I mean, it's a win-win. It's an opportunity for both sides. I think that's a really good point. So, Mark, you know, one thing I was I was um, curious about uh, as far as training goes, because I feel like, you know, there's, I was thinking about the typical response to hiring salespeople in a down economy or the way companies treat salespeople when the economy starts to, to show that it's, you know, um, um, trending downward. 
is they lay they lay salespeople off or they stop hiring salespeople. And to me, it's just uh, yeah, I get it, but it seems a little counterintuitive. It seems like you know, wouldn't that be the time to be investing in salespeople? Um, I'm just curious. Is that is that what you see with training? Do you see companies kind of pull back on on their investment of training dollars and say, you know, we'll 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 wait till things are back to normal and before we go forward with more training? Or what do you see? Well, I mean, the first thing I want to say in response to that is, and I'm not embellishing when I say this. The thing that is keeping me up nights, literally every night now is, you know, we're used to using words like employee engagement. Mm -hmm. If you have ever participated in a virtual meeting or a virtual training or some kind of virtual interaction, if it is not a one-on-one situation, I want you to think for a second as a listener to our podcast, what you do to stay focused while listening. Because I got to be honest, Melissa, I think people are kidding themselves. We, we live in such an attention deficit society that when you're in a virtual situation, do you have your phone in front of you? Do you have your email up in the background? Do you have the door closed? Because I got to be honest, that's the biggest problem I see. Training, meetings, whatever, is that I don't think people are going to be engaged. And you know I do a lot of work on listening and having people be more effective listeners. And if you aren't present and you aren't mindful for those meetings or, or, or trainings, it, it's a waste. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you're, yes, I see a lot of companies pulling back, less so now. I see it starting to even out a bit. But in the first month or so, you know, let's be honest, companies are scrambling to keep their employees. The last thing they're worried about is training. Mm-hmm. With that said, this is the fundamental problem with wellness and why so, so many companies have been slow, so slow to adopt wellness. When you say you're worried about your employees, when, it, when, a, when a leadership team or an executive says that, what does that actually mean? Well, we know it means don't lose your job, but how about their, their mental and emotional health during these times? And I think that's the thing about training. The message companies should be getting is not to not do training. It should be to shift the priorities of training to concepts like resiliency, emotional intelligence, and mental health. And I'll tell you, Melissa, I've been very heartened to see, I have three webinars coming up this month, and I'm usually kind of skeptical about webinars because again, I don't think people focus or whatever, but I have a lot of signups, way more than I anticipated, and I'm very pleasantly surprised. So I'm hoping that's trend, that to your question, I'm hoping that's a trend to yeah. training becoming more of a priority, but I am seeing what you're saying, but I am seeing it start to even out a bit. That's great. That's great. And, and I, I think too, you know, um, I don't know how long this is going to go on. I think, you know, we had a sense that it would be a couple months or maybe now a few months, but there's, it, from what I'm seeing, there's a lot of ambiguity about, you know, the timeline here. So I'm glad to hear that you're seeing people take more of an interest in this because, you know, at some point, the, the current ways that we've been communicating and interacting with one another when we do have opportunities to be in the same building, in the same room, if this goes continues to go on and we don't adapt, and in some cases, some companies are going to have to do a lot of adaptation very quickly, then I think it, it poses a real threat to their business. 
Yeah, and Melissa, let me add one other thought. You mentioned about salespeople, and here's the thing I see with salespeople. What's very concerning to me about laying off salespeople or even keeping salespeople is that salespeople have enough trouble as it is maintaining their habits. Mm -hmm. So now we're in a situation where they can't do their traditional prospecting and calling and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of companies I'm working with right now who I see the salespeople doing nothing. And I got to tell you, I could give an organization a list of 10 productive, meaningful, important things that salespeople could be doing in downtime. And I'm not talking about adding notes to a, a CRM. I'm talking about making sure your pipeline is qualified and updated. I'm talking about things like um, reaching out to your network and doing more channel partner building and networking. There's a lot of things, but I think a lot of companies, organizations are freezing up and not only are they quick to lay people off, but they're missing golden opportunities to do these things and to develop habits in the interim that hopefully carry over when things return back to normal. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I, I know I'm seeing, um, you know, I, I saw a, a lot of our customers pulling back on placements that were already on the books, you know, the schedule to start and such, and they pushed out, you know, first two weeks and then a month, and now they're questioning if they're even going to hire or if they're gonna end up shrinking the size of the organization. So, um, you know, I think if, it's a mindset thing though, you know, and if people can just stay open-minded to these, um, you know, what you're referring to, um, you know, I think that they have to continue to realize there, there's another side to this. We're going to get through it and, and go on. So, you know, continuing to do things that invest in the future, I think is something that we, we still need to keep thinking about. Yeah. And let me ask you an important question, Melissa, because there's one thing, and I'm not just saying this because you're my partner in crime here. I'm saying this because I really believe it. The, the word recruiting um, is an interesting word because as a matter of fact, my 13-year-old my asked me, he heard the term headhunter on TV the other day. And he was asking me about a headhunter. And, and you'll have to tell me if I explain this right. But the way I explained headhunter was it's, it's more of a high level, more of an executive level of recruiting. So first, before I go any further, is that accurate? Would you say yeah. that's Okay. I think so, yeah. And so, but as I said it, right after I said it, I said to myself, boy, but that really devalues what a recruiter does. And what I, what I wanted to ask you about is this, what are some stigma and perception um, now more than ever in this crisis around, because I know, I know a lot of your customers and I've heard from their mouths, the value that Franklin Professionals does, it's way more than recruiting, it's consulting, it's engagement, it's retention. So what are some misconceptions and, and myths perhaps about bucketing you and labeling you as a recruiter that people are missing out on? Oh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, when I go into a room of, um, you know, networking, um, it, the headhunter, so I've had people actually apologize to me when they're trying to figure out what I do. They're like, so are you a, I'm sorry, a head, headhunter? <laughs> I feel like it's a dirty word. Like, um, you know, use car salesman. You're right. It, it, in a lot of cases, I, I think it does get that negative rap. And um, the reason for it is I think that, you know, in, in some cases, people have experienced what we refer to in the industry as um, recruiters who who operate in such a way where they're just slamming people into the job, you know, saying whatever they have to say, just get, you know, getting getting the offer, getting it accepted, and their their work is done. Um, and and um, so the, the I think perception in those cases is that people um, 
see that the recruiter is just concerned about their paycheck and not about the, the person and the long-term relationship and you know fit um, re the retention of the employee with the client. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, you know, it it, uh, it takes like one bad experience to kind of spoil it for everybody. So by and large, I think that the industry has a, some mostly phenomenal players, people who really do care. I, I know um, many from that I've met through my career in the last 20 years who, you know, I would work alongside in a heartbeat. But, you know, it's like people go and, and review something when they have had a negative experience um, more often than they would go on to review a positive experience. And I think that's a little bit of what's happened there. Well, so do you worry at all about, when we talk about company culture, there's two concerns I have, and I'm wondering what your feedback would be on this. One of them is, you know, it always comes down to when the you-know-what hits the fan, how do people react, right? So if a lot of companies are reacting by laying off people, there's two questions, right? How do you see it affecting company culture first when people are laying off people, especially if the perception at that company is there could be other alternatives? And, and secondly, if the demands get so, as you were alluding to earlier in our, in our podcast, if the demands on the remaining people get so high and unreasonable, and then their engagement level or enjoyment level of the job get affected, when you hear those elements, do you have concerns that company culture could really be affected in certain situations coming out of this? You know, in some cases I've, I've considered um, companies are in a little bit of a no-win situation. I think what you're referring to there, you know, I, I've been talking with people who are upset that their company hasn't laid them off. They've laid other people off and those people get to be home and they're getting, you know, funds from wow. stimulus package and this and that, and they still are being exposed every day. And, you wow. know. and then in fact, case in point, someone very recently who was saying that got laid off and now it's, well, what am I going to do? I'm not making as much money as I was. You know, and I think it's a lot of the manifestation of people's uncertainty and fear and, you know, they're going to find a way to discharge that somewhere. So, you know, wow. as a business, it's so difficult. And when you're, when, when you're in, in a way responsible for someone's livelihood, the first person that they're going to direct frustration at is, the one that's paying, you know, paying them. So I think we need to be braced for that. And the, the thing that I think is the most important to pull us through, I hope that companies have established a culture and if they don't feel that they have, that they really focus on establishing, establishing a culture where they're genuinely caring about their employees and they're showing that they genuinely care about employees as individuals. Um, and, and, you know, kind of make sure people don't just feel like a number because the, fundamentally, whatever hard decisions and actions you have to take as a business, if people know that, you know, you, you're, you care about them and their best interest is in your heart. And, you know, sometimes things just happen in such a way where you, you're out of choices. I think that it's a lot of, it's a pill that's a lot easier to swallow when someone has to face something difficult with you. When, when it's coming from that vantage point, you know? Makes sense. Yeah, just interesting how things, well, you really can't win, can you, Melissa? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's, again, that's why it comes back to that, really that fundamental um, relationship that employers have with their employees. If, if it's one of, of caring and, you know, goodwill, then you can get through a lot of the tough stuff. Um, if it's not based in that, then no matter what you do, you're, it's never good enough. Yeah, and I think, you know, Melissa, you, you alluded earlier about training, and I think the big message I would like to give our listeners is the key word here is support, right? We all need support in different ways. That support could be training. That support could be coaching. That support could have nothing to do with training and coaching, right? But at the end of the day, I think there's an assumption we all make of what others need for support instead of asking. So I think that one of the best things we can do as organizations and leaders is ask people for what they need, because the answer is going to be different depending on who you're asking. And so I think training and coaching is a certainly valuable bucket area that can lend support, but I think there's more. And I think we have to start asking. Oh my God. Yeah. A hundred percent agreed on that. I second that wholeheartedly. Yeah. So I think I, I think that we're at a good stopping point, Mark. Uh, should we go into the accountability? Yes. I don't want to rush things here, but you know yes. what I'm talking about accountability. Yes. Yes. All, all right. So how'd you do? So here's the thing, Melissa. I've been so excited for this podcast to share this because it reinforced for me something I've always believed. I did get it done. My taxes are off to my accountant. It It literally took me to do as I anticipated about a half an hour to get what I needed done. That's great. But here's the thought process that came out of it for me, Melissa, is that I realized part of the reason I got it done was because I was accountable because I did not want to come on this podcast today (laughs) and say, I didn't do it. And I'm not joking. And I think that it's so weird, Melissa, because so much of motivation and mindset and habit change has to do with tricking ourselves. And what's weird, I think, for people is we would never want to be known as manipulators or people that trick others. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, when it comes to yourself, you do kind of have to trick yourself sometimes into getting things done. Mm-hmm. And it's such foreign territory for people to even embrace the concept that it's hard for for adoption to take place. But I will tell you, um, I felt like last week, I got more done in the last week, like difficult stuff, stuff I've been putting off than I have in several weeks, even pre-corona. And I really believe part of it was because you and I talked about it and I didn't want to have to face the music and not doing it. So great news. What about you? Yeah, good job, Mark. That's great. Thank you. So before I answer the question, I just have to share with you what I discovered. Okay. And, and so the answer to my question is that it depends on how you define exercise. Because my, mine was 30 minutes of exercise every single day. Well, that was uh, last, last time we talked, it was a Tuesday. So that, that Wednesday morning, I woke up. And I was inspired to do this three week long cleanse that I had promised myself I would do once a year. And I bought the whole kit, it's like $300. I bought it three years ago and it was still sitting in my cabin. Wow. So I woke up and I was like, okay, this is it. 
So I started it. The first week is so bad. You know, it's like 21 pills a day and you're not feeling good because of what they're doing to you. So, but I, I, I did that and it was just this catalyst. It, it, it kind of created a domino effect. So um, my, what I'm, the point here, what I'm getting to is that my exercise, as I would normally define it, um, was not, not existent in the way that I was envisioning last time we talked. But I did do other things that I was classifying as exercise, considering um, the what I was doing was not conducive to hardcore training. Yep. Um, so yoga, um, some projects that involved running up and down four flights of stairs 20, 25 times a day. Um, you know, kind of incorporating just thinking about exercise in terms of movement and not being so narrow-minded mm. about, oh, you know, I can go down into my gym and, and you know, do the same movements that I do every day. So, oh, failed again. So, I well, think I, keeping a broad perspective. So I have to tell you, I think that's so valuable. And I, and I, I want to add one more thought because you've motivated me to, to say it. And that is... Um, so a lot of people who know me really well know that I'm, I'm from the Brene Brown school of being admitting, being vulnerable. And so a lot of people who know me, a lot of people I've trained know that I, I, I see a counselor, I see a therapist because it adds a lot of value to what I do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I spend so much time helping other people that it's good to have someone as a sounding board. And I got to tell you, Melissa, building on what you said, I had, and this is a very quick exchange, but I had to share it. So I, I really hate the traditional definition of exercise. Like I hate it. It really sounds boring. I don't enjoy it. And I've been telling myself that my whole adult life. And so I've been, I said to my therapist the other day in a session, I said, you know, I, I really wish I could get back into exercise. And she goes, well, do you like it? I go, no, I don't like it at all. And she goes, well, why do you want to do it? And I said, because I want to lose weight and I want to be back to being feel more energetic and physically fit. And she said to me, just like this, Moses, she said, so let me just get this straight. You hate exercise and you've actually told yourself the only reason you're doing it is because you have to, which breeds resentment. So that's never going to get it done. And so the moral to this story is she said to me, she goes, Mark, think about when you have successfully exercised in the past, how you felt. And so she said, it's as simple as telling yourself, oh, I have to go exercise, as opposed to, I can't wait to go exercise because I know how great I'm going to feel afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's so what you're talking about, Melissa, about reframing it and repositioning to it, how you were looking at it. And I just, it breaks my heart. It seems so simple. And I just wish in the same way people were cruel to themselves and how they talk to themselves and their inner voice, they would be nice to themselves and reframe information and know that it's not tricking. It's just a mindset thing. So anyway, I just wanted to share that story because it totally resonated with me in the, in, in the situation I just had with my counselor. That is so great. I mean, it, isn't it awesome to have someone who's able to bounce things back on you yes. and, and real, make you realize how, you know, we all, tend to carry these really ridiculous thought patterns. Right. When they're framed for you in the right yes. way. Yes. All right, so what are we doing this week, Melissa? We gotta hold ourselves accountable. What's our big bucket list item for this week? Oh my gosh. Um, 
I, I actually, okay. So this is a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'll, I'll go first to this. Um, I have decided that I want to officially launch virtual assistant services within our within our service offerings. Wow. And because uh, I, I can do it, I built my business using virtual assistants. And so I have you know a lot of understanding of how to do it successfully. Um, and we've done it for customers. And I thought, I don't advertise that we can do this. So why am I not doing that? So uh, I think I need to bite the bullet and get that done. So what do you need? Pick one thing. So th this is important, right? Pick one thing so it doesn't feel so huge. What's an incremental thing you want to do to get started? So I want to get this on our website because a lot of the tools that we would employ, I already have because I was using them for ourselves. So getting this up on the website so people can see that it is something that we could do for them. I, I would be so thrilled if we could do that in the next two weeks. Awesome. All right. Well, m mine is, uh, I'm going to have a specific um, newsletter, uh, a sales only newsletter for the sales companies I help in sales and a leadership only newsletter that I'm developing. And by the time our next podcast, not only do I want those newsletters to be completed, I want the first edition of each to have been sent out. Awesome. So, so that's, that's what I'm shooting for. All right. So, and just a reminder to our listeners, you know, we would love if you guys would join us in the accountability ring uh, so we can keep you on pace and on track too. Um, you know, I feel like the more energy we can put in, the, uh, the more um, momentum we can all build. So I'm just putting that out there as well. Yeah. And let me just add that, you know, for Melissa and I, 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 I think I can speak for Melissa and saying that, look, we both have our core values and our passion for doing what we do is really to help human beings um, feel more confident, feel more successful, so on and so forth. And I think for, for anybody listening to the podcast, if you want to reach out to Melissa or myself, just to pick our brain, vent, run something by us, a challenge you're having, please do. We, we wouldn't charge you. We, we, we genuinely would be happy to help. And I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Always happy to help. You know, uh, just in closing, I, I think that the, the more I attempt to help other people um, and, and the more I've, I'm sharing my, the lessons I've learned along the way, I, I feel like I learn twice as much as than what I give in those interactions. So I would always welcome a phone call and and help in any way certainly at no charge uh so thanks for mentioning that mark yeah agreed and, and by the way if you're looking for a good laugh i recently watched the old tv movie airplane for about the 25th time <laughs> so if you just need a, a a laugh and some absolute silly comedy i i recommend it all right got it on the list yep so uh, all right thanks melissa thanks mark take good care all right we'll see you next time okay goodbye Thanks for joining us on the Catch Him and Keep Him podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss us next time. In the meantime, remember that engaging your people is a daily task and recruiting is a process, not an event. If you need help, just ask. Connect directly with Melissa at franklinprofessionals.com and Mark at mindsetgo.com.